Welcome to this episode of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I'm Cindy Coaches. I enjoy spending time with best-selling authors, writers, editors, publishers, and creative souls to talk about the process of developing our stories to completing our works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, pearls of wisdom, and the experiences that began our journey as an author from the moment we put pen to paper. With 25 years in the wellness industry, Michelle Zellner, a health and happiness strategist, has informed and inspired thousands on their journey to becoming better beings. The 2019 release of the Your Revolution, The Journey of Better Being, shares her proven practical strategies for true lifestyle change with an even wider audience. Michelle followed up with the PFF is your BFF handbook, a simple guide for, excuse me, a simple guide to fueling your busy body. Thank you for joining me in uh, on this episode of Pen to Paper, Michelle. Well, it is definitely my pleasure to be with you today, Cindy. I'm excited to get to talk about the writing process because normally I'm doing interviews about health and well-being. And uh, I do get a lot of questions about what it's like to write a book, and people seem to come to me for advice about writing a book, because apparently if you've written one, now you can tell people how to write one. <laughs> totally, totally don't agree with that. But, um, but I think the process is interesting, and, and I'm excited to talk about it. So thank you. You are very, very welcome. The You Revolution is a powerful uh, book title. It has an energy about it that, you know, it just entices that a person who sees the book cover to pick it up and say, ooh, I want to know more. I mean, there's just something about that title that just, it draws you in. Is there a specific uh, event or a person that motivated you to state and make that claim that I'm, I have to write this book? Yeah, actually, the You Revolution is actually a 10-week lifestyle self-improvement, growth and development program that I created and have been teaching for a number of years. And uh, the book is really the marriage of my content that I teach. And then the second subtitle, The Journey of a Better Being. Better Beings is the name of my business. I try to help people be better human beings. And so I kind of thread my own personal story, my own personal journey of how I've become a better being into the book. So uh, it just only felt natural to, to title the book, the name of the course that I teach, but then make sure that, you know, I represent my own personal stories throughout it as well. Interesting. So then with this, is it more of a memoir or is it more of a, I don't want to say how to, because how being, a, a book on health and wellness, there is no how-to because it's all individual. Um, so guidebook. So is this more of a, a memoir or a guidebook? It's both, actually. I, I actually have had somebody tell me this is like an owner's manual for how to be a healthy human. And <laughs> I love that. I was like, that is such, that's such a high compliment because I think, um, you know, when we get into the area of health and wellness, 
I mean, there are so many facets to it and there, there's no shortage of books out there, self-help books. I don't look at mine as a self-help book, but what I do think is we don't actually learn what it takes to be a healthy, thriving human. We don't learn all the nitty gritty, the ins and outs, the details. We learn surface basics. And a lot of times what we learn is not even correct. So it's, it's definitely how to, and it's helping you understand how the human body functions. But I present it in a way that is conversational. And that does come from a point of storytelling because everything I teach, the content I created for the class is definitely based on science and based on my educational background, but it's also very much based on my own discoveries and the things that I have found help me get over the challenges that I had, the obstacles I uh, I faced. And with working people for, you know, almost 25 years now, uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who have similar challenges, but they look slightly different. Um, Or maybe they've had obstacles that I never, ever encountered. And so by learning and growing from them, I could also put that into the book and give some of that guidance. Because I think while we all are very unique in our health and well-being, we're all very similar as well because we're all human. So at at the root of it all, we are all the same, right? We all have the same body chemistry. We all have the same basic parts. How they're packaged and the the challenges that we face as we go through life are going to look a little different, but there are solutions to every obstacle. And that's what I try to offer in the book. So was there anything in particular that compelled you to write it other than to share your message? Yes. So this, this group I'd been teaching it for, I I, um, actually was approached back in 2014 through a a corporate contact of mine. I I do uh, corporate health and well-being was really my bread and butter at the time. And they asked me to create a robust personal growth and development lifestyle enhancement uh, program for a client of theirs that they wanted to offer as a wellness initiative. So I reflected on all the things that it takes to be a healthy, happy, high functioning human and created course content from that. And then have been teaching it to that particular group, uh, Denver public school employees for, uh, at that time it was, I don't know, six or seven years. And at the end of, uh, 2017 or 18 group, I can't, it's so hard to keep track of dates anymore. They're all (laughs) mushing into the same year. Um, One of the participants said, you know, Michelle, you really should write this in a book. And that's the first time that was ever said out loud. I never thought about it. It just, I always knew I would write a book. It just wasn't that I was that. Why do, who needs another health and wellness book? (laughs) And yet I started thinking about it. I was like, huh, that's probably a really good idea. And it was really that, uh, that participant, Nick Siametti, I will never forget. He said, Michelle, you should write this in a book. And so I did. So then from that point, from getting that spark to actually publishing it, how long was the duration of time? So I know my cycle of business and I know when I'm busy and when I'm not. And for me, summer is relatively slow. Springtime is bonkers busy. So I knew I was not going to just start digging right in. Um, I'm also not the kind that can just block out a couple hours here and there and get going. I know my style and I know how I work best. I need to have time, space, and energy all at, the, all at once. 
to really dive deep into a project like this. So I put it on my vision board that I was going to write the book. Uh, I guess I wrote it in 2018. So it was at the end of the 2017 year group that the suggestion was made. I put it on my vision board in 2018. And then I looked at my calendar and I said, okay, this chunk of time at the end of summer, this is when I'm writing the book. And uh, I made a lot of headway. A, a lot of it, it wasn't hard for me because most of the content was already written because I created this content. So people will say, well, was it hard? I mean, it wasn't really for me because my content had been written over the course of years. And then my story is my story. So that's not hard for me to tell my story. <laughs> I, I teach my story. When I'm teaching, I tell my story. So for me, it was really just the logistics of putting it all together. And I had lots of ideas. I knew the general format that I wanted to follow of how the chapters would look. But then I also know me and I know that it's hard for me to get things done in my space. I live in a very small space and there's lots of distractions and lots of fun distractions. (laughs) So I decided that I was going to take my own advice, what I give to people when they're trying to reach goals and and accomplish things, is to set yourself up for success and to uh, do the best you can to create an environment in which you can thrive. And I decided that a, a writing retreat was going to be a good solution for me. So um, I didn't need help writing the book. I needed time, space, and energy for me to be able to write my book. And I found this amazing woman, Tammy Koya, the memoir coach. Uh, It was literally just kismet. The minute we interacted for the first time, I knew this was going to be just a lovely uh, solution to this challenge. And uh, went to her place in uh, Washington and spent just under 42 hours with her. And by the time I got on the plane to go home, I probably had close to 80% of my book done. Wow. That's incredible. That is wonderful. Yeah, it it was, it was, it was amazing. It was one of those feelings that, like I always say, if you give yourself what you need to succeed, you will succeed. So it wasn't cheap. I'm not going to, you know, it it was an investment. And I just look at that as a cost of doing business, a cost of getting my book written, but she literally fed me, made sure I took breaks, was there for me to bounce ideas off of. We would go for a morning walk and kind of outline what is the, what is the goal today? What is the plan? What are we going to try to achieve today? We would have that planning session after we got back from our walk she would make sure I'm properly nourished and I'm somebody who needs to eat a lot. That's actually funny. She posted about Facebook, but I've never had a client like this. I literally (laughs) meet her all the time. And I stood at her kitchen counter and I just, it was just, I couldn't stop. It was one of those really magical experiences. And, um, and then when I got on the plane, I've never been the girl who's going to bust out her laptop and do work. And I couldn't wait to get on the plane and bust out my laptop because I just had ideas just (laughs) coming and coming and I wanted to capture them. So um, definitely the best, the best thing I did for myself was to, was to spend some time with her in that space. And she was amazing and gave me everything I needed to succeed. Well, and you brought up something really important, which is that investing, investing in the book, investing in the project, and looking at it as not necessarily a business transaction, but looking at it as there is a way for me to get a return on investment. 
because when you feel confident in the, the content that you're, you know, that you've written, you've put it down, and you feel confident in the project itself, in the completion, you know, what the end product is, you really are unstoppable in, in telling everybody. If you feel insecure about, you know, does this, you know, and, and worried about what other people are going to say, or is this edited good enough? When you, when you start self-sabotage talking, you know, then you're, well, well, maybe I don't want to tell everybody, you know, and, and so then you start holding back. So I, I love how you flip that, that around to, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm investing in this. <laughs> and I, more of us should be doing that. <laughs> and that's actually a question I ask people when they come to me and they say, I want to write a book. What is your advice? My first question is, why do you want to write a book? What do you want to get out of writing the book? What is your purpose? Is it just for legacy, family, friends to read your story? Do you have a message that you want to share? Is this something that you are going to turn or use in a business? I mean, for me, it was a very natural extension of my business because once you've written a book, well, now you're credible. (laughs) Even though I've been teaching the same stuff and telling the same things for 10 years, now that I'm a book writer, I'm an author, oh, now I'm somebody special who can be listened to. And so I, you know, it's not about how many books did I sell? It's that this has opened up so many doors and opportunities for other elements of my business, because I'm a published author. And, um, and I think that makes a difference as to how much you are willing to invest in the book writing process. Uh, you know, if you think that you're going to write a book and you're going to put it up on Amazon and you're going to sell millions of copies, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it, it isn't for most people. Yeah, you're, you're right. There, there has to be some lead up, definitely education on it. And, and the thing is like, with well you you know you said amazon so looking at amazon they're forever changing how things are i'd say like their algorithms you know just like social media they change their algorithms and stuff and they do it to stay current they do it for for a multiple number of reasons and which is all good and you know it it helps them stay up with technology because that is forever changing (laughs) but you um and i just lost where i was going with this but anyways um yeah knowing it and and keeping up with the information and and learning how to do it and and gaining that uh, momentum is what really helps you in in the book sales and marketing you know you have to get out there and you have to tell people because if you don't tell anybody about it nobody knows about it right And and I will say that was the other investment that I made once I had the manuscript and it was basically I knew this was the book. Then I had to make that decision. Do I try to pitch it and have a publishing 
company pick it up or do I go the self-publishing route and not knowing anything about anything um, you know this was a question and and had to sort through and organize some things and so I'm very lucky here in in Denver actually right down the road from me exists one of the most amazing in my opinion uh, self-publishing consultants uh, Polly Latovsky with My Word Publishing and I, I heard her, actually a friend of mine heard her interview on a podcast and my friend said, hey, if you're thinking about it, you should maybe just ask her questions, see what it's like. And mm-hmm. she walked through the ins and outs. The, and, and I know that I'm not somebody who's going to research all of that and figure it out because I don't want to. I want to I do my business. I don't want to do another business. And the whole... <laughs> Book selling and book marketing, that's a whole other world that I have zero interest in figuring out. So again, I decided to invest in somebody who knows it and have her do the work for me. I give her what she needs and she does all the back end stuff that's necessary. Um, hooked me up with the cover designer and the editor that I used and you know, all the um, publishing tools and marketing tools on Amazon with keyword search and the this and that, the other. And, you know, it's a lot. It really is. And so, again, I had to look at it from uh, an investment standpoint. And my time was not well spent trying to figure all that stuff out. I would rather invest some money to have somebody else do it so I could spend my time doing the things that I'm better at. Understandable. And when you really start to add up how much time you're putting into this, it's phenomenal. And, you know, you're still trying to work. You're still trying to cook dinner every night. You're still trying to get enough sleep because <laughs> it's easy to get, uh, you know, rabbit hold. And, and in the research, just the research alone, forget about the action steps. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of people out there who have all sorts of advice and wisdom to share, and it doesn't always match up with the next person, because we all have our own experiences with it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is always why it's important for anybody who's writing a book to really flush out for yourself, why are you writing this and what do you want to get out of it? Yes. Because answering those two questions will solve half of your issues and lead you at least in the right direction. And who's your audience? You know, who's that one person that you really want to read this book? What are they like? What do they, what do they need to hear? What do they need to learn and understand? So yes, yes. Um, With, oh, you were going to say something? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, and why pick up your book versus another person's book that might have a similar message, a similar story? What's what's unique and interesting and, and the catch about yours versus the other ones that are out there? Exactly. Now, with the PFF is your BFF handbook. <laughs> was the writing process similar to your first book or was it very, oh, you're shaking your head like, no, it's way different. Okay. Way so, different. Fill the beans. <laughs> yes. Yes. So as part of the 10 week U revolution course, I do a lot of nutrition. Uh, nutrition is something so many people struggle with. It was a huge struggle of mine. It was a huge obstacle. I overcame and figured a lot of things out. And PFF is your BFF. Protein, fat, fiber is your best friend forever. This literally is how we need to fuel our busy bodies 
Uh, that's a, a catchphrase I came up with, trademarked it. And that is something that every course I teach of nutrition, I have people come up with your PFF combos. I want you to learn nutrition. I'm not going to give you food. I'm going to teach you about food. I'm not going to give you a meal plan. I'm going to teach you how to create your own meal plan so that you can go anywhere, anytime, and know how to nourish your body properly to suit your needs and your goals. And so every group, Michelle, can't you just give us a list of PFFs? No. (laughs) I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. And what's funny about all of this is this is teachers for the most part that were taking my course. And I would say, do you just give your students all the answers? No, you make them figure it out. That's the learning process. You get to learn. And so we'd come up and make these PFF combos And then I finally just gave in and thought, okay, I'm still going to make you do the work, but I am going to give you a little cheater's guide and I'm going to create the PFF as your BFF handbook. And so basically I I do an intro that kind of gives my approach to nutrition, why I have the approach that I have, why I think this is the way we should be fueling our busy bodies. And then it's just a a bunch of graphs of protein, fat, fiber combos. And here's how you do it so that nutrition doesn't have to be so daunting and complicated like we all seem to think it does. And it can taste good. It can be easy and simple. And and, and this is literally how you do it. And so um, that writing process was actually... It was, it was fun because I got to have a little more creativity. I, I created an avatar of myself. Her name is Penny. And uh, Penny is all over the PFF handbook. She's kind of cute and fun and gives you like splash ideas and highlights of things. So it's very colorful. It's very fun. I had a lot of fun with my graphic designer doing that one. Um, just because it was different and, and got to be a little more creative. I'm actually a pretty creative person. So that was, that was, a, that was a lot more fun, I would say, than writing the other book. <laughs> I love that you that. <laughs> How much fun and, and not a lot of people know it. Um, back in 2015, I became a certified in a, integrative nutrition health coach through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I, I found being a coach was not my, my bag. It just, it was not where my heart, you know, just, I wasn't in it. But what I did was I converted my, what I learned and my coaching stuff into creating a digital magazine. And And it's so amazing because I do have this education. I do have this knowledge. It's interesting, and and you brought it up, is how people think that eating healthy tastes like cardboard or, or bland or it's like, no, throw some herbs in there. You know, you can pick up the flavor. You can enhance it with so many different things that are natural and healthy and good for you and or you know there's just so many different misperceptions about eating healthy and eating healthy does not come in a box that was manufactured and you know <laughs> I mean you and I could definitely yes <laughs> go go through a lot of that yes. but um so I I I am grateful that you mentioned that because that is important. And 
having that as part of your book, showing that it is not boring, it is not bland, it is quite easy. It's, it is just simply an adjustment and looking at the value of the food that we're consuming. That, that food that we're putting into our precious body is our fuel. How do you want to fuel it? How do you want to feel? So, yeah. And, and I feel because nutrition was a big obstacle of mine. Um, and because I really, it's life-changing. I would not have trademarked the phrase and wrote a book about it if I didn't believe in it. I would never put my name on something and talk to thousands of people about it and publish it if I didn't believe it. And I want everybody to embrace it because I know it's life-changing and (laughs) it's so simple. That's the beauty of it because I think, um, you know, it, it, no doubt about it. Nutrition can be complicated. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And depending on, you know, each individual's particular challenges, it might be more complicated for some than others, but there is still a way to do it. And again, regardless of what your health status is or your preferences are, you're still a human. And so all humans still need the same things, including very similar nutrients. We all need the different varieties of nutrients. We might come about them in different ways, but you still need to fuel your body in a certain way because you're a human. So I do give the education about nutrition in the book as well. And then again, just kind of highlight and show you how simple it is making the reader understand that this is not me telling you what to eat. This is me showing you how easy it can be to eat high quality, healthy, delicious food. I want you to come up with your PFF combinations that are suitable to your lifestyle needs, your goals, your values, your culture, because I don't know the foods that you eat. There are plenty of foods out there that I don't even know exist that I bet are delicious and good for you and have either protein, fat, or fiber, or maybe all three. And I want you to be able to make that for yourself. And like you said, culture has an impact. What we grew up with, what is, you know, what was common in our childhood, you know, dinner plate you know, what was on it, that makes a huge difference. And, and again, you know, you, you throwing uh, different aspects of the information that's out there, there's a lot that contradicts. Some people will say, Oh, drink milk, drink milk, other people say, Oh, my gosh, don't you dare drink milk, you know, so there's that conflict. And, you know, with with nutrition a lot of it too is what works for you because the foods that you can eat I can't (laughs) and there's probably foods that I can eat that will cause you great harm and so it's individuality and I love that you're saying find what works for you what tastes good to you what works for your body style what works for your you know for the things that work you know, that make you feel good, because that's all we want to do is we all want to feel good. (laughs) Feel good, but also have outcomes that make us feel good, right? We want to feel good in the moment, but we also want to feel good afterwards. And sometimes those two things don't jive. (laughs) Yeah, like that, like that big bar of chocolate. Oh, does it taste so good in the moment? And then for me, sometimes depending on the chocolate, you know, 10 minutes later, I'll be itching. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So, so one of the guidelines that I encourage people to do is make the list of high quality, high quality, whole nourishing foods that you like, that your body also likes. Yes. And, and that's how you start this process. Oh, uh, yes. You and I can definitely go on for a while with the, <laughs> with the nutrition and, and it's good. It's important information. We need to share this. It, it is so very important. So when it came to, I'm going to draw us back into the writing and the publishing and the marketing. And um, so in regards to your journey of, you know, I've got this idea, I'm writing this idea, you know, into book format, to editing it, to publishing it, marketing, which of those elements during that process or that journey do you find the easiest? For me, the writing was the easiest because that was what I was in control of. Um, <laughs> like it, was, it was the waiting to get the responses and the steps to take and the waiting and the answers and the back and forth that not that it was hard. It was just because it's out of my control. So I got to sit back and let the process be the process. But that's also something that I preach and teach is you have to let the process be the process. It'll all work out. Um, I knew that because of this, the, the type of book it was, my, my intention, my goal was to release it right after the new year in 2019. Well, things were beyond my control. And so that wasn't going to happen. And then I had to reset my, my plan and my intention and how is this going to look and decided that a, a release in May right before summer is also a great time. It's never a bad time to engage in your health and well-being. And so um, I would say, yeah, the writing piece was easy because again, it, it, it was all my content and my story. Um, it was, I think the rest, the back end of the process, even though I had everybody else doing the work for me, I, I still had to be engaged and I had to wait and then kind of adjust my own expectations and timeline based on the reality that there are other people who need their books edited too, and who need their cover design too. And I'm not just, you know, front of the line for everybody. So kind of waiting my turn and being patient with the process was you know, maybe a little bit challenging. I was just going to ask what was the element you would like to skip, but I think that was the patience part. <laughs> I practice patience all the time. I've, I've gotten a very good at being patient, um, but you know, it, it is kind of like birthing a child in a way, like you are ready to, you, when you know it's written and you feel good about it, you want to tell the world and yet I can't right? because it needs to be all boxed up beautifully and perfect and ready before I do that. So um, I think probably for me, when it became real, uh, and the most maybe fun part of the process was when my cover designer and I were playing around with ideas and I narrowed it down to two options and they were very, very different. And so I decided to put it up on Facebook and, and get a poll and have people vote on Facebook and tell me which one they liked. And um, they liked the one that I was most drawn to immediately as well. I really liked the other one too. And it was, it was hard to choose because that's the problem with my cover designer. She's amazing. And Everything was so great. It was hard to pick. Um, but that was kind of fun because I could see it now like, okay, it has a cover and there's a title and there's my name on it. And, and it's, you know, people are now starting to get kind of excited and that, that made it real. So that was fun. So then did you do a lot of 
um, dropping of the hints that that pre-selling or pre-marketing of the book, you know, like sharing a little bit of, of your journey of the whole publishing process? I did a little bit of that for sure. Um, I'm not really good about social media. So I've never been that person anyway. So it, it did feel kind of weird to all of a sudden be that person because I have a book. So I just kind of did my natural thing. And when there was something exciting to share or something to show, I would do that and, and let them know, of course, when I knew there was a release date, say the date for the book launch party and that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't do a lot of heavy marketing other than to my own personal network my approach and my um, my my own attitude with this book was I'm not writing a book to sell books. I'm writing a book to, to tell my story, to share my message, to be a natural extension of my business, to be another tool for people to have. And if I sell books, that's like the icing on the cake. Um, and so... I've always kind of had a challenge just in general marketing myself. It's funny. I've been successfully in business for 25 years because marketing is not my strong suit (laughs) at all. And so even me trying to sell my book feels weird. Um, I want other people to sell my book for me, read it, tell everybody how great it was. Um, And I, you know, it's always easier to do that. But, um, but yeah, there was certainly excitement about it. And then I did plan a little book tour. So went back home to Wisconsin and did a a little book tour uh, to a variety of places in my hometown and neighboring, uh, neighboring uh, uh, cities, and did a couple of local, you know, book signing events and things like that my big, big push was going to be 2020, which of course this little thing called COVID kind of put a wrench into that plan. Um, Yeah. So a lot of the things that I had planned were just kind of put on hold or didn't happen at all. And then here we are in 2021 and it's still kind of the same situation. Um, And yet, you know, my book now has been out there a year and a half and um, it's good when I do lots of interviews, people know about it. That's kind of my best form of marketing. Word of mouth. Yes. Oh, I read this book. You got to read this. Yes, that is truly in any, in any market, whatever it is you're trying to sell, it is (laughs) that, that best option. And so obviously you, you've written books that um, are an extension of your business. So has it really um, helped to expand your business or what, what's been the effect? I guess I should maybe word it that way instead of leading you to the answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely opened up bigger opportunities. So I, my bread and butter is corporate wellness, kind of lunch and learn type of things. But um, I've always wanted to get into the bigger speaking events, doing workshops and keynote speeches, breakout sessions for conferences and things like that. And certainly being a published author has opened those doors. And um, even with COVID, uh, I've done a number of those. I'm hoping 2022 is a gigantic explosion of these kinds of opportunities. Um, but definitely, you know, having a book, it makes a difference. And I knew that, which is why it doesn't matter how many books I sell, because the gigs that I've gotten, I would not have gotten had I not published a book. 
So my book is well over more than paid for all the money I invested into it. I have far exceeded that already. And now everything on top of it is simply gravy, additional cool whip, whipped cream, if you will. It's my, it's my go-to. Um, so it, yeah, it, it really has. And, um, you know, when I am a featured speaker, that actually also circles back to people buying more books because, oh, now I've just spoken to an audience of, you know, 500 people. And then I look at my little Amazon account and I see this big spike of book sales. I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. That's because of that. That's wonderful. Yeah. That is, and that really does give you that acknowledgement that they want to learn more and what you shared with them created not only the curiosity to know more, but the motivation to take action. Yes. Which, uh, that's powerful. That That is very, very powerful. And one thing through all of this, um, you're, you have this presence of self-confidence. Um, it's clear that this is not your first podcast. It's very clear that you are a speaker, a public speaker. You know yourself very well. How does knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, how does that really lead into people? I guess, what is the advice that you would share with somebody uh, about knowing themselves and how it correlates to their success? That is a great question. I think, you know, you're confident in the things that you know. You're confident when you are living authentically, speaking authentically, telling your story truthfully and authentically, because your story is your story. It, it doesn't change. And I know not everybody's a public speaker. Uh, I certainly wasn't. This is not what I imagined I'd be doing at all. And, you know, the probably 18, I mean, up until maybe the age of 30, I wouldn't say I was a confident person. Um, I was very much a sheep. I was very much a follower. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence, self-esteem, very insecure about things. I actually write about a lot of that in my book um, because the way you develop is from things that you went through in your past. And I talk about how I moved out of that kind of mindset and space. So I think when you are being authentic and honest and uh, true to your core and your, your guiding principles and values, and you're literally speaking and owning everything, the good, bad, and ugly, that's how you connect. And that's how you become confident uh, in sharing that story. And, you know, when I used to teach, um, I was very careful because I didn't want you know, I didn't want people to judge me in a certain way or to think I, uh, you know, had all the answers or some of the things I didn't even want them to know about that I did this because it's so shameful and terrible. And yet the more I understood and got to know people, the more I know we're all doing the same things. <laughs> we all have very similar struggles and we do things. And uh, if you have think it, thought it or done it, I've thought it or done it, or I've worked with somebody who's thought it or done it. You know, obviously not everything, but basic challenges that we're faced with in life. And the first time I told one of my stories to the, this group that I was teaching, I didn't, it wasn't like an intentional, oh, I'm going to tell this story today. It just happened out of regular conversation. Somebody asked a question and I just 
I just threw up my story (laughs) and the look on their faces and the jaws on the floor, like what you did that. And I was like, Oh, don't you know that? Yeah. That I've been living with that knowledge forever, (laughs) but I guess I never have said it out loud. And now I have, and now I can keep saying it out loud because that helps people. And so anybody who has a story and we're afraid to tell it, we're afraid to show our vulnerabilities, we're afraid to expose ourselves, you have to realize that there are many, 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 many others who are going through a similar or the same thing. And all you being honest and authentic is going to do is to help them break down their own wall and recognize that it's okay to not be perfect or to have made mistakes or to have struggles because it's still interesting to me whenever I encounter people who feel like they're the only ones who go through this. Well, and there's that illusion that you have to be perfect. And I don't know where that comes from. I, you know, it's, you know, it's not like it's something we, it's not something that's pushed on us as a society, or maybe it is, I don't know. But well, I guess, you know, if you look at, you know, like magazines, you know, they, they push that level of perfection and Photoshop. <laughs> so I guess I, that is part of that, that maintains that illusion of you have to be perfect, you have to look perfect, you have to you know, the hair has to be this way and you have to be in style and stuff. And, you know, here I am, I'm sitting here in, you know, I've got a long sleeve shirt, a sweatshirt and another jacket on because I'm sitting outside in my truck because (laughs) where I normally record is in storage, you know, (laughs) and the space I have available to me is, you know, it's, it, the, the acoustics are horrible and I have good acoustics in my truck. And so am I, am I concerned? I mean, I apologize to you at the beginning of the podcast before the recording that I'm really sorry for my atmosphere, but it's what's working for me. And so, yeah, allowing ourselves to be imperfectly perfect and being okay with that. And and recognizing that that is universal, I think, and I, because I coach, and this is, this is a lot of what I coach on, we create stories in our head, we create our narratives based on our upbringing, what society has decided is the standard, Um, maybe cultural expectations, maybe expectations from particular family members, maybe just expectations that you've placed on yourself for whatever reason. Part of it is innate characteristics, you know, perfectionists versus those who aren't. And yet, if that narrative is not helping or serving or guiding you, then it's up to you to change the narrative, really, and right. and to be able to express and allow the story to be told um, and it, and sometimes it can be scary to tell your story. And some of that is because how do I tell my story without hurting the others who were involved in the story? And I would say that for me was maybe the trickiest piece of writing my own book. Uh, and it's something that I've talked to other people who are trying to write memoirs. And, you know, most people are writing a memoir because they went through something yucky. 
let's yeah. face it, like that's what it is, right? Yeah. And there were other people involved in that process and they don't know how to dance around it to not offend them or make them mad or you know, divulge too much information that isn't really necessary. And that I think can be a little bit of a tricky spot. And that's something I think each individual has to come to terms with on their own. What are they comfortable telling? If you are telling your truth and your story and there happens to be somebody else involved, it's your story. You get to tell it. And, And you do that to the degree and in the way that you think is appropriate um, you know, if, if people will read my story, you'll know, you'll know what I'm talking about in my own situation. Um, and there is way more to the story, but so much of it didn't need to be in this book. Right. There, there is another book at some point that will address <laughs> all of that. Oh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, when you're sitting down to write a memoir. Um, because I am writing one. Uh, I've now had to set it off to the side uh, because I'm at the ending of the adventure, I guess. I don't know how to word it. Anyways, I'm intuitively being guided to set it to a side, let things just kind of fall into place as such. And when you're my journey has mainly been me myself and I and so there's not a lot of people involved in mine other than complete strangers which is fine because I don't know their name I don't even have to you know make up a name to hide the identity I don't know their identity lady in the bathroom stall who thought wow this is a really bad bathroom just like I did Um, uh, so you know it's not that I put that in the book but (laughs) well maybe I will I don't know anyways um, but I could see like if I was writing um, a memoir on, on this event that happened in my life and I have to decipher do I really want to put this person make them look better or do I want to make them do I want them to look realistic how I remember them do I want to make them look better do I do I ever want this person to speak to me again all of that comes into play when you're writing a memoir and it is one of the biggest challenges it's not remembering it it's it's deciding what you're going to share about the other person. So yes, you bring up a very important (laughs) element in that regard. And and I know there are ways to do, obviously, many, many people have written memoirs about really difficult things. So, um, you know, there's certainly ways to do it. And, you know, how you navigate through that, I think, answering all those questions that you just asked, I think is a good starting point for that. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. Alrighty. Well, we're getting, well, close to time to wrapping this up. And I'm sorry, my hands are getting cold. So yes, whoever's listening and hearing the weird noise, it's me rubbing my hands because it's like 40 degrees outside. (laughs) So um, is there uh, anything that you wanted to share that I didn't touch on? I think we covered it all really. Um, you know, what I just maybe a little bit of advice for people is 
to to know your writing style, right? Know how do you best operate. Um, if you are somebody that maybe does need guidance with the actual writing process, maybe a writing retreat or a writing coach is what you would benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know how to write, you just need dedicated time and space. Maybe you just book a week in the mountains and lock yourself in the, in the, you know, in the house and get away from all distractions <laughs> and you write, or you need somebody to help you be accountable. So you do a one-on-one kind of private thing. If you know that you can just block out three hours every Sunday and lock yourself in a room and write, then do that. But I think it's about having a strategy and a plan and committing to the writing process Um, because otherwise it's just an idea and it's hard to get into flow with your thoughts and your creativity when it's so chunky and, and, um, so disrupted. So, you know, get your thoughts out. I think another thing that some authors really struggle with, and I did too, was that the first thing you write is going to be the finished product and you have to get it perfect when you're writing it. I say, just write your story. If you're writing a memoir, just write, just write it. You know your story. So just start writing. And then the editing process and the weeding out process is how we make it make sense to the reader. It's not supposed to make sense the first time you get your words on the paper. It it shouldn't make sense. If it does, you probably really struggled and spent a lot of time and energy making that happen. So I say just write and then we figure out how to marry and merge it all together. Agreed. And they call them the shitty first draft for a reason. They're supposed to be, it is the brain dump. It is the, oh my gosh, what did somebody call it? Oh, doesn't matter. Anyways, there's lots of names for, for that first draft. And you're right. If that first draft comes out and it's like spot on, <laughs> yeah, you you were self-editing as you were writing versus just pouring it out onto the page from your heart. So uh, share with us uh, your website uh, so people can find you. Yes. Betterbeings.net is the easiest way. All the links to everything else is there. So uh, you can contact me if you want to get on my mailing list. You can do that. Otherwise I do a little bit on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm there, but I don't do a ton. So. <laughs> it is hard to be on social media if it's not something that what do I want to say if it doesn't really entice you to be there you yeah. know if it's not you know if it's not a priority it's really hard to be there so thank you Michelle this has been a fantastic conversation I have truly enjoyed our time together so thank you well my pleasure thank you and me as well it's been a joy Before we end our time together, I'd like to say thank you for listening to my conversation with Michelle Zellner. To access her website and purchase the book she has written, visit pentopaperpress.com backslash podcast and select the show notes page for this episode. Take care and until next time, keep your pen to paper and write. Remember, your words have power. Your story matters. Bye for now.